on this episode of The James Quandall Show. It doesn't always have to be something that's expensive, like decorating your house for Christmas. I mean, we've carried on the tradition from James's family of, at Halloween, for example, we have chili and cornbread every night on Halloween only, not every night. Ooh, every night. Um, <laughs> okay, welcome back to The James Quandall Show. This is part two of If Time is Our Most Precious Resource then connection and presence is our most valuable gift. In the last episode, if you didn't catch it, we discussed others and connecting with others by sending thank you cards and having shared hobbies and sending text messages, making introductions, and many other things, at least 12 other things. And today, we're going to discuss connecting with your significant other and ways that you can build a deeper relationship with them. And so I have Emily here who, if you didn't know, is my wife, and we've been married almost two years. And we, through our entire relationship, have always been very intentional about how we live and what we do. And we love to read books from other successful people in relationships and marriage books and family books, and we get a lot of ideas through that. And Emily gets a lot of creative ideas through Pinterest and from our friends who have been married for 50 plus years. And so we take these things and we try to implement them in our own lives. And so in this episode, we're going to go through and discuss some of the things that have been successful for us. And number one, this is something we did when we kind of first started dating, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Was uh, Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. And if you haven't done that, definitely recommend that you take the love languages, whether you're dating someone or you've been married for 40 years, it can still be extremely useful to help you understand yourself and your partner. And you each take a quiz and it tells you what your love language is. And your love language may be different than your spouse's, which means it isn't going to be as natural for you to fulfill that language potentially. Um, Gratefully, Emily and I both have quality time as our number one. And so most of the things on this list are devised around spending quality time together and being present. And like I mentioned in the last episode, not having our phones with us. So um, using the love language as a guide to help you to choose which of these things you want to experiment with could be a good place to start. And after listening to this episode, if you have any great ideas of how you've connected and built your relationship with your spouse, feel free to send me a, a message on social media or an email or, or whatever, and I'd love to, to, to hear it. So number two is games at dinner. And this actually, we've always loved games. I've loved playing board games since I was a kid and video games too. And um, recently this summer on a trip to Washington, we were having dinner with some friends of ours and they actually played games while they were eating. And for us, we were always trying to play games after dinner or during the day, and it just never seemed to work out. And we had a problem where we, Emily would spend 45 minutes making a dinner, which she does almost every day, and it would be completely gone in seven and a half minutes because we just plowed it. And we needed a way to slow down. So when we were on this trip in Washington and they were playing games at dinner, we thought, well, that's really a great way to help us slow down a little bit and get some quality time playing games. So every single night since then, in July, we, without fail, have played different games at dinner. And we just have a basket 
right next to the dinner table that has like seven or eight different games in it. And some of those games are, we've got Quiddler, which is a new personal favorite. We have Monopoly Deal. We have Skipbo. We have Phase 10. We have Uno. Um, we have Sparkle and a few other games. And we just, well, lately we've been sort of addicted to them, <laughs> to the Monopoly Deal game. <laughs> We've been playing that game almost every night for a while, um, but we just pull out a game and we we talk and and play a game while we eat. And if you haven't played Monopoly Deal, you should get it and play it because it's super fun. It's like the board game Monopoly, but with cards, so it only takes about fifteen minutes instead of hours and hours. Yeah, we can we can during a dinner oftentimes play two rounds of Monopoly Deal and it the game's different every single time i actually feel like the board game monopoly with two people's actually sort of boring it it kind of drags on for a really really long time if you play the actual rules but this game always ends in like 10 15 minutes <laughs> um so the next one on the list is having meals together and obviously i mentioned how we play games at dinner so i kind of led into this but sharing meals together is extremely important and slowing down and putting away the phone and actually chewing it and enjoying the food. And we're fortunate enough now that I'm working from home that we can have all three meals together every day. And I would say if you have the opportunity to do that, you should do that. And if you have the opportunity to even come home on your lunch hour and have lunch with your spouse or meet each other once a week for lunch or anytime you have the opportunity to have a meal together, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you should take advantage of that opportunity. And we have some ground rules too. So ground rule one is the phones aren't at the table. Um, the second is we try to eat slowly. Um, we like to have nice silverware and plates and bowls and Emily decorates the table with placemats and candles and we put on nice lights instead of bright lights. Like we try to make dinner a sacred activity and we try to just make it really special. I'm looking at our kitchen table to see if I can remember anything else. Um, I can skip, I can skip down the list because I have gratitude on the list and that's another thing that we anchor into our dinnertime habit. And before um, we have our meal, after we prayed for the food, we just talk about what we're grateful for that day. And a friend of the podcast, Dave Kirpin, mentioned how he does a gratitude practice where he says what he's grateful for in the home and something external as well. And so we have been trying to do that more as well. And it's really great way to, to slow you down before you eat. And one last thing that we do is take a couple deep breaths. So we just kind of like just pause and can put the day behind us and just have some quality time together. And then after that, we have walks. I love taking walks. We, d we take a walk after dinner every single day, no matter what. Rain or shine, snow, sleet, doesn't do, doesn't do that much here, but... Um, we have we even to. bought rain jackets just for our walks. <laughs> we cannot skip it. And if we ever try to skip it and then we're just sitting on the couch, we feel bad. And so we get up and we go do it. But why is that so important to us? Like, why can't we skip it? 
Well, it makes us feel good because it helps our food digest. And also I think it's nice to get out and get some fresh air and take a break from the house and it breaks up the work day. And um, I think it's just really important to get out in nature and even in the afternoons we take walks or mornings and get some sunshine and the evenings I think it's just nice getting fresh air and being out in nature like our neighborhood we're very lucky we have deer in our neighborhood and squirrels and a ton of birds and and on these walks Emily loves to talk with the animals and uh, just tell them they're doing a great job and and (laughs) Uh, we just we love our animals on our walks, and I we were doing this even when Emily was working full time out of the house, and so the picture then was sort of she would come home, put a dinner together pretty quickly, or I would have some of it ready or prepped, and she'd finish it up. We'd have dinner, and then we'd take a walk, and that was like our first chance for quality time really for the day, where we weren't cooking, we weren't cleaning up from the food, and we weren't eating, where we could just kind of hold hands and walk around the subdivision. So that's when we started that habit, and now our food di- feels like it digests better. We get a little bit colder air, so it kind of is refreshing. And the alternative is, if we didn't take that walk, without fail, we would be on the couch with the TV on. But when we take this walk, it gives us 10, 15 minutes of activity together outside, and we don't always just come back and fall into the couch after that. It kind of keeps us moving. And so definitely recommend walks. Next is seeing the sunset, which is a newer habit. Um, We had um, Hilda Labradigor on the podcast this summer. And if you go over to quandle.com slash Hilda, you can listen to that episode. But she talked about the benefits of seeing the sunrise and seeing the sunset as often as possible. And since then, we've been trying to do a much better job of that. And we live in a beautiful neighborhood in a beautiful part of the country. So we're very lucky to see the sunset pretty much every night if we want to. Um, We have a wonderful dock down by the river. So we try to go down there and sometimes we take a glass of wine with us. Um, Sometimes we take snacks. Sometimes we bump into a friend. Sometimes we invite friends. But just sitting down there and watching the sunset is beautiful. And like James said in the previous podcast, we were very lucky a couple weeks ago to see dolphins swimming down the river. There was not another soul in sight. And so we got to share that moment, seeing the dolphins and watching the sunset at the same time. And just for clarification, some people were asking based on the Instagram post when I shared that, were we swimming in the river or were the dolphins swimming by in the river? (laughs) The dolphins were definitely swimming by. We were not in the river. And for any English grammar fans, I am not one of them. I am horrible at grammar. Um, You can look on my Instagram page at instagram.com slash jamesquandall to find out what we're talking about. But I think the way I wrote that was that the dolphins were where we were swimming down the river, not the top. Yes, yes. Um, and there's numerous health benefits to seeing the red light from the sun in the morning and the evening. And if you've taken a trip camping or to the beach and you've spent a lot of time outdoors in the morning and the evening and you find yourself sleeping better than you've ever slept and having so much energy and just feeling really great, then you've felt those benefits, the scientific benefits of red light exposure. And it's also just great because 
who doesn't love watching the sunset? And if you are working outside of the home, it's a way to kind of unwind from the work day. When I was working, I had a pretty stressful job and we um, would spend time as soon as I got home from work out on the porch for like 15, 20 minutes every day just to kind of break up the work day from our home life. And so I really recommend that if, if you work outside of the home and especially if you have a stressful job because it can put a strain on your relationship if you're always talking about the stresses of your job. That's a, such a great reminder. I forgot about that habit of ours. And it's true when I had a clue that Emily was having a tough day at work, which kind of happened frequently with her work that she was in, I would be downstairs on the porch with some beverages and some snacks ready and receive her there and don't let her come up into the house and we just sit there enjoy time together disconnecting and kind of connect and talking about the day without bringing it up into the home and then that way when she came up into the house she was had some space and boundaries from the work day it's super important if you have a long drive from work to home you can kind of get some of that out of your system on the drive by listening to music or podcasts or singing or doing whatever you like to do. But if you have a short drive to work, you got to have some boundaries and not bring that work baggage home into the house every single day. So next on the list is rituals. And for us, this is about bookmarking. Maybe that's the wrong word. Book ending? No, whatever. It's about doing special things during holidays. And one thing that we started doing is we created a note on our phone and during each holiday when we do something that we enjoy, we jot that down. And so that way next year when we come to that holiday, we'll have a list of all the things that we enjoyed the most. Um, One thing that we did to help us to improve our rituals around the holidays was, I don't remember what that book was called. Do you remember? It's not important. We'll We'll link to it in the show notes for this episode, but it was a book about family rituals And it had every single holiday and different things that you could do to kind of shake things up. Yeah, so we, like James said, we kind of write everything down and then we try to be intentional. This year, I think more than previous years, we've tried to really embrace every holiday and not just Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween. We've even tried to embrace some of the smaller holidays like Memorial Day, for example, we went to the National Cemetery and walked around and, um, you know, just embracing all the holidays and really us spending time together and just really celebrating every event that happens in this life. And I love that we do this because it slows down the year. I feel like if we don't have these special occasions that we look forward to and stop and celebrate, the year just flies by. But by having these special moments worked in throughout the year and these predictable rituals, it's making the year go a little bit slower and helping us just to enjoy the moment a little more. Mm -hmm. And it's not always... It doesn't always have to be something that's expensive, like decorating your house for Christmas. I mean, we've 
carried on the tradition from James's family of at Halloween, for example, we have chili and cornbread every night or every night on Halloween only, not every night. Ooh, every night. Um, <laughs> so it's not always about doing things that cost a lot of money. Sometimes it's just, you know, you make the same cookies every year for a certain day or you make cinnamon rolls every Christmas morning for breakfast or, I mean, I think... To me, as we've already discussed, food is a really big part of our lives, especially. Um, so doing incorporating special foods in for each of the holidays is really fun for us. And we don't come up with all these ideas ourselves. We use Pinterest and we use books and we'll research where our families came from and try to include some of the traditional holidays or acts that our families would have done hundreds of years ago in Norway or Germany or England. And that's really helped us to experiment and see what works with our family. And I think a good place to start is to remember the rituals that you had growing up in your family and in your spouse's family. Write those down, the ones that you enjoyed, and have those kind of be your blueprint. But then grow beyond those like don't just continue those rituals get your own and have some that you get rid of and really make it about your family and to create a legacy of rituals it's it's just so much fun and so the next one is family board meeting i put that down here but we had a full podcast episode about the family board meeting and so you can check that out if you want to know more about that but really what i will say about that as far as connecting with each other, the family board meeting has created an outlet for us to dream and to set goals and to be vulnerable and share things that, hey, in 20 years, I want my life to look like this and I want to be able to do this. And then we work towards making that happen. And it's just a space for us to really share what's important to us in a non-judgment way. It's a judgment-free zone. And it's helped us to surprise ourselves like we've really surprised ourselves with a lot of the things that we've come up with in those in those talks so the next one is supporting dreams which i think i kind of covered right there and it's really though encouraging your spouse that they can do whatever their heart desires so if they have a dream of learning to play guitar or playing the ukulele buy a guitar and a ukulele and help them to play it and encourage them and to make if they have a dream and it's been something they've talked about multiple times, find a way to do it. Put it on the budget, put it on the plan and do an introduction to it. If like tried to paint, try to draw, try to dance, like experiment. We've tried all sorts of things in this category to see if any of them kind of made us feel good. And if they do, then we double down. If they don't, we drop it and move to something else. But it's important to have that family board meeting and write down your hopes and dreams and then to support each other in achieving those hopes and dreams. And it's not about like a joint venture as like we're going to just get ahead. It's really just about these passions, these things that we have deep down inside of us that have been there since birth. And you know what they are a lot of times. Nourish those, encourage those and help those to come out into your everyday life, whether it's through your work or through your personal life or whatever, just find a way to include those things in your life. So the next one is shared. I'm having a hard time reading my own handwriting. It's shared hobbies. And for this one, one of our shared hobbies is tennis. And it's something that neither of us are very good at, 
but we like to play and so we play tennis together and i think it's great when spouses can have some hobbies in common that you can do together i also think it's important to have some hobbies that you don't do together like chess for example i think it's perfectly fine that emily doesn't play it i would love if she did but I have my friends that I can go and play chess with and we don't have to have every single hobby intertwined. But you should have some. And another one for us is books. So a lot of times we'll read the same books. I just finished reading the um, Veggie Tales book. Um, it's called Me, Myself, and Me, Myself, and Bob. I'm horrible at book titles. Um, and I loved it. And so now Emily's reading it. And so that's one of our hobbies is reading. And so we'll share books back and forth and we'll spend a lot of time reading together. Our ideal vacation is somewhere up in the mountains, wrapped up in a blanket with a coffee or a hot chocolate, reading a book. And so we try to make that happen as much as we can. And so I've the, a lot of these ones are are, are me that I, I said I would talk about them. So the next one is... Um, I wrote down honeymoon. And what I mean by that is we've been married almost two years now. And people will say, oh, so you're still on your honeymoon. And my response to the dozens and dozens of times that that's been said to me every time has been, yeah, of course. Like we're always going to be on our honeymoon. Why does a honeymoon have to end? And so that's another pet peeve of mine. And why does a honeymoon have to end? Like, does it need to end? Why don't we just continue to act as if as much as possible and keep the romance alive and these different things that we're talking about um, of connection and presence will help you to do just that. But I wrote a full article about that on my blog that you can check out and just about my gripes on, on honeymoons. I really don't think that they need to end. I think we can continue to keep a lot of that alive. We don't have to be away for a week or two and then go back to real world. Like we can try to include that type of romance and love in our lives every single day. And leading on to that is date nights. And so that's a perfect example of keeping that sort of uh, atmosphere alive. So we try once a month, sometimes more, to schedule date nights Um, and we started it once again as a result of the family board meeting because we realized that we weren't having date nights as much as we should and so we started scheduling them and it started initially with me picking one month James picking the next month sometimes it was a surprise sometimes it was something we planned together Um, And we set a budget for it. So we said, you know, it's $100 or whatever our number would be. And um, we just kind of took turns and then it's kind of blossomed. And so sometimes we do more than one date night a month. Like this month, because of Christmas, I tried to do something every single week leading up to Christmas that was sort of Christmas related. And so we went and saw the musical Elf at our local theater one week. And then we went um, and had dinner at one of our favorite restaurants. And we're supposed to go look at Christmas lights, but that didn't end up happening. Um, And now this week we're having dinner with friends. and And the next week we're going to our favorite restaurant on New Year's Eve. So it's just 
planning different things and it's not always extravagant. Sometimes it's just a picnic in the park or, I don't know, watching a movie together or going to see a show or going putt-putt golfing or something. It's not always big and extravagant. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, you know, going to a baseball game or a hockey game or whatever it is. that going to the zoo or going to a museum. It's crazy when we look up in Charleston or Savannah how many different museums there are. You could go to a museum or an aquarium or a zoo once a month for years probably with some of those cities that might be around you that are a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah. We've been to a few and haven't even touched half of what's around us. And it's uh, really fun. And sometimes we get a little bit out of our comfort zone and we'll do something that we wouldn't normally do. Like we went to Savannah and went to an escape room and we had only ever done that once with friends on a vacation once. And that was really fun. And it, it challenged us in a different way. And so date nights can be inexpensive. They can be, they can cost nothing, but sort of our rule of thumb, we've been very successful spending around a hundred dollars on dates and had pretty good luck with that. And so that's a good place to start. And so we've got two final sections on this episode of if time is our most precious resource, then connection and presence is our most valuable gift. And in this episode, I'm hoping that you're hearing some of the rituals and habits that Emily and I have designed intentionally to build more connection with each other and to grow together and to come closer together. And there's many, many more. I think we could probably do another episode after this because I'm coming up, I'm thinking about so many other ideas as we're going, but I think 14 is probably enough for today. (laughs) Um, The next one is notes and surprise gifts. And this is a personal favorite because um, actually a good friend of ours doesn't really like planned gifts he only likes surprise gifts and what was do you remember what his saying is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time so that is the best way to have notes and gifts in my opinion is them to be unexpected at an unexpected time and so we just like to write little notes like just this week actually I went to um, class and I went into my lunch bag and there was a note from Emily and it was just short and um and thoughtful and sweet and it wasn't on fancy paper it wasn't a homework greeting card it was just a note just folded in half and shoved into my lunchbox and it just makes my day and sometimes um she'll have a note just in my laptop so when if i open my laptop up there will be a note sitting there and it's just something like hey have a great day today i love you like it doesn't have to be anything fancy um and when she was working out of the house i would oftentimes just surprise notes in her work bag or I would grab her phone and at a random time like two o'clock in the afternoon I would set an alarm on her phone when she wasn't around so at two o'clock in the afternoon it would go off and it would have a note a memo and it would be like just thinking of you or I love you or have a great day and then she would have no clue how that got done Um, but just little surprises like that don't cost anything but it's just like in the last episode on this um this series where I talked about random thank you notes. It's just a thought. And when you think of someone, 
and or if you think of a compliment and like oh your hair looks really great today i really like that shirt on you or i love when you cook this meal for me it makes me really feel loved like say those things out loud if they come to your head say them out loud or put them on paper if you are a little bit more timid or do both and uh, i think it, it really makes me feel great and then the second one is surprise gifts like if you see something and you think your significant other would enjoy it and get it and surprise them with it. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be a $5 item or a book that you saw that you think they would like. Just get it for them and give it to them. And then the final one on the list is screen less Sundays. Something we haven't been doing a great job of lately, I would say. We've been doing screen full every day, basically. <laughs> so maybe this is something for us to get better at again. But for a while, we made an effort on Sundays to not be on our phones, not watch TV, and to do other activities instead. Um, and it was just a, a, a way for us to, again, be intentional. I think that's a common phrase here is being intentional about your time and what you want to be doing. And if what you want to be doing is scrolling on your phone or checking your email for the hundredth time or checking that news site again, great, go ahead, do it. But if you sit down and reflect and you say, I really don't want those to be my priorities, then you have to show up and do something different. And sometimes these phones are so addictive, you have to put an extra effort by believing on airplane mode or putting in the other room or turning it on do not disturb and being truly present with the people in your life that are super important. And who is more important than your significant other? And so screenless Sundays are a great reminder of how to be present. And if time is our most precious resource, connection and presence is our most valuable gift so give the gift of presence to your spouse and take some of these 14 ideas and include them in your life and see which ones work and let me know if there's some that we left out and we can talk about them in the next episode and if there's something that you think doesn't work let me know that too i'd love to be challenged and and um and and that way i can grow so that was a lot of fun as usual. Thanks for listening to the James Qualendall show of uh, this episode. And if you didn't hear the first episode when we talked about connecting with friends and family and people in our community, go check that out. But uh, thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the James Qualendall show. The show notes for this episode and other goodies can be found at Qualendall.com. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, please subscribe and leave a review. I may end up reading your review live on the next episode. Subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends about the show is the best way to support me and help the show grow. See you next time.